the primary indicators that you're growing in your Christian faith, one of the indicators is how you interact and treat other people. Especially those closest to you. I want you to understand for the sake of understanding that there are two currencies in the kingdom of God. The first is faith and second is honor. Now, what is currency? It's a medium for exchange. It's something you exchange for goods and services. It's like what money is in the natural, it's a, it's a currency. And currency flows, currency fluctuates. Sometimes your money is high, sometimes it's low. There's a, there's a flow to it. Same thing with faith. Faith, spiritually, in the kingdom of God, is a currency. And sometimes your faith is high, sometimes it's low. You remember when Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, O ye of little faith? The currency was low at that moment. You remember when Jesus looked at the centurion? The centurion said, you don't have to come to my house to heal my servant. Just speak the word from right where you are. And Jesus marveled that he had such great faith. The currency was high. Okay. So currency in the natural, faith in the kingdom of God, really the same thing, medium for exchange. And honor is a medium for exchange as well. When you bestow honor on someone, not only is there the benefit in the human relationship, but you've also activated something in the supernatural spiritual realm of the kingdom of God that benefits you as well. Most people don't know this or don't believe it. On a deep level, most people think that giving honor to someone is a laborious task that only benefits the person that you're honoring, but it's not so. Honor is a gift you give to others that benefits yourself. I'm going to say that again. It's a good note. Honor is a gift you give to others that benefits yourself. When you honor others, take this into your spirit if you can. Try to hold this in your mind. When you honor others, you have paid the purchase price to unlock their very best potential. So not only will you get whatever their ceiling is, whatever their best is, you will get their best when you honor them. But you will also get blessed by God when you bestow honor. So in summary, honor releases two things. The best from others and a blessing from God. There are some blessings that you get by honoring that you cannot get any other way. Have all the faith in the world. You'll never get the kind of blessings that can only come from honor. Honor is the only way. So point number one, and it's a two-point message. We're going to be quick today. Point number one, honor is a principle. As amazing as this is, honor is a principle even God himself is bound by. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, when Jesus came to his hometown, they all looked at him and said, basically he was making his claim to be the Messiah. He was telling them who he is. And they basically said, you're not the Messiah. You're the carpenter's son, the son of Mary. We know your brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And, and your sisters are here. And they were offended at what he was teaching and preaching because they saw him grow up. And it's sad to me. It's, it's shocking to me that the power and potential of Jesus was limited by the people that he knew the best. He's working miracles everywhere else. He's walking on water, turning water into wine, multiplying bread and fish. He's healing lame people, opening up blinded eyes, unstopping deaf ears, uh, you know, amazing things. And yet his miracle power and his potential and ability to bless them was limited by them because they were operating in dishonor. 
And it says he could not do mighty works there. Where? Home. Most people feel the least valued when they go home. Most people feel the least honored and respected when they go home. What causes this lack of honor? Well, it's right there in the text. Verse 4, Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Jesus tells them. He tells you what causes dishonor. Familiarity. Familiarity. Look at that word, familiarity. Families in the, in the root of it. That inside the family relationship, we can get so comfortable and so lax and so blind to what each other are in the family dynamic that we will honor people far from us and yet dishonor each other at home. People who aren't close to you tend to focus on your strengths. People that are close to you tend to focus on your weaknesses. And so the people in Jesus' hometown couldn't receive the strength of his message and the strength of his miracle ministry because they were saying, I remember you and you was just a little boy. I remember you going to work with your daddy. Ain't you the carpenter? Messiah, child, please, I remember you. So they could not receive his divinity because they were so focused on his humanity. Okay. Another thing that causes uh, dishonor is offenses. Verse 3 said they were offended with him. You have to understand this. When you're offended with someone, you will never be able to honor them properly. Now, most of the time when we are offended with someone, they did something, said something, there was a misunderstanding, whatever it was. We get offended. We think the onus is on them to make the offense right because we're the offended party. That is not what Jesus teaches. The offended party has to go to God, has to operate in forgiveness, get it cleaned out and cleared up as soon as humanly possible because you cannot honor people that you're offended with. It is impossible. You cannot honor a spouse that you're offended with. So you got to get the offense taken care of so that honor can be restored. Now, I want you to think about this. Why is this important? Folks, if dishonor, something as simple as dishonor, tied up Jesus and made him unable to do mighty works for them, is it possible that some people in your life are being tied up and unable to function at their highest potential in your life because you haven't honored them properly? Again, those we're the most familiar with are the ones we must challenge ourselves to honor the most. And it's, this is a, this is a high level in intense spiritual discipline operating in honor especially in your own house it's the most difficult in your own house um, and you know speaking as a man because I don't know what it's like to be a woman Speaking as a man, especially as a husband, I want to I speak to the ladies on behalf of all men. And I just want to tell you, be patient with us. We're confused. We don't know what you want. We're working on it. We try to figure it out, but we don't know what you want. And, and sometimes I think you make it confusing on purpose. If we're strong and tough, 
Why don't you be more sensitive? If we're too sensitive, be a man. If we talk too much, I just want you to listen to me. If we listen to you too much, why aren't you saying anything? A grown man, full grown man, professional, champion in his field, can be completely dressed and ready to go out on a town. And his wife will walk by. You wearing that? And now all of a sudden, you can be 45 years old. You go all the way back to a five-year-old and you're looking at yourself. I didn't know I made you. And the look they give you is like, you don't understand anything about clothes, colors, fashion. Anything. And then that same woman will come out of the closet with two different color shoes on. The brown ones? Or the beige ones? And the man, he don't know what to say. Is, is, that, is that beige? Is, Why would you ask me? The point is, it's funny when you're talking about clothes. But as it spreads out to deeper issues, the home really can be a difficult place for honor to be rooted and spread through the fabric of that environment. And the more familiar the relationship is, the more challenging it is to honor. But we must strive to do it because the best version of the people in your life, their greatest potential, their gifts, their talents, the things God put in them can only be unlocked by honor. Go with me to Ephesians chapter six, verse two and three. Ephesians chapter 6, 2 and 3. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, watch, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Everybody always quotes the live long on the earth. I don't even care about that today. Look at the first part. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. Now, we're going to step into the weeds a little bit. This is a sticky point for a lot of people because they know that that's one of the Ten Commandments and they know that the Apostle Paul is, is continuing it in New Testament theology to honor your parents. But a lot of people will say, you know, that's fine for children with good parents, but I didn't have good parents. But I, I want you to understand something. Since the beginning of our world, there have been parents that were better than others. There have been flawed parents. There's been broken parents. There's been parents that weren't good parents at all. And yet God still gives the commandment knowing that parents aren't perfect. God gives the commandment to children to honor them and notice the promise. Paul says the first commandment with promise. The promise is if you honor them, regardless of what they are or how they're behaving, if you honor them, the promise is God will make it go well for you. Listen to me. God promises well-being to you if you make the decision to honor your parents and it's also a faith decision, trusting that the word of God is right and will work. And that if you will just behave in honor and honor your mother and father, whether you think they deserve it or not, God will release a special blessing of well-being. Remember, I told you when you honor two things happen, whatever the person's highest potential is, you unlock that. And then number two, you also release a blessing from God on your life. This well-being, that's one of the blessings of God. Now, when Paul teaches about honor, he does it 
primarily in three phases. And they're all familiar, close, tight relationships. He talks about spouses honoring each other. He talks about children honoring parents. And then he talks about honoring your spiritual authority, your spiritual overseers. He says, those that God has placed in your life to watch over your soul. Now, the problem with that is all three of those relationships, they're close. They're familiar. You're closer than close with your spouse. You're close with your parents. I mean, even if you're not emotionally close, you were close in proximity, you know, to, to some degree. You're close, in close proximity at least, to your spiritual leader. And so anytime you get that kind of familiarity, I mean, you can only listen to so many of my messages before you really have to pay attention to hold on to the words that I'm saying. Because if you listen to the same person week after week after week after week after week, it's not the same as the first time you heard it. You understand what I'm saying? So Paul addresses honor, but he only addresses it in the area of the familiar. Now, it's certainly possible to honor people you're not familiar with, but, but Paul considers that a moot point. Where he puts the focus when he deals with honor is on the people that you're familiar with. Okay. Now, for church leadership example, um, this is a challenge for me that I set before myself every week. I'll, I'll do an honor check in my own heart because um, we have elders in this church that I believe, I am convicted and convinced that Jesus has given them positions in his body and assigned them to this church for their gifts and their leadership, okay? And so I have, to, I have to interact with them. I have to deal with them. Now, most of the time, if I'm talking to you, uh, I don't see too many buddies in the crowd. I'm not a buddy-buddy type guy. Most of the time, if you and I are speaking, it's having to do with spirituality. I'm either preaching to you, praying for you, counseling you, or something having to do with spiritual things. There's not a whole lot of familiar communication happening between me and you, okay? Uh, so, but with our elders, I have to communicate with them on a very practical level. I communicate with them more on a practical level than I do on a spiritual level, because we're dealing with church vision, we're dealing with where we're going, what we're doing, what we're planning. We're dealing with all the departments and different things that we're trying to set up and establish. And so my concern for me and for them is that regardless of how familiar we have to be with each other in order to work together, that we don't lose our level of honor because they have gifts in them that I need that I cannot receive unless I honor them. By the same token, I have gifts in me that they need, because they may be leaders, but every leader needs a pastor. And, and they can't leave me in the role of just the, the practical and the leadership stuff and, and turn the volume all the way down on my spiritual voice in their lives. And so we have to walk a tightrope of honor because for me to be the best I can for them and for them to be the best they can for me, we have to honor each other. Now, if you can understand that about church leadership, bring it into the home. You have to be familiar with your spouse if you're going to have a decent marriage. But in, in that environment and in that familiarity, there's a pitfall and there's a danger that you could fall into the trap of not honoring each other properly. Same thing with children toward parents. And again, let me, let me just kick a dead horse. You know, you, you may be saying, but my parents are not deserving of honor. You don't know what I went through with my parents. You need to read the story of Noah, and Bishop referenced it today. And this is a cruel and harsh story. 
I'm not saying I like it, and I'm not saying I totally agree with it. I said the Word of God says it, so I know it's right, whether, however I feel about it. But Noah had three sons. Noah saved the world, preserved the world by building the ark. When he got off the ark after 40 days and 40 nights, he got, I, I can't remember the phrase that Bishop used, as drunk as a cockroach in a whiskey bottle, yes. He got drunk, drunk, crazy drunk. He got so drunk, he got naked. And, and there's, there's, there's a range of how drunk you can get. But if you get so drunk that you just take all your clothes off and get naked, you're drunk, drunk, drunk. Now, let me just, let me just say, Noah was in the wrong. Number one, to be that drunk blasted out of your mind, he was in the wrong. Number two, to be naked, and the, the scripture doesn't tell us what he was doing, but there's not a lot of positive things. We're adults here. There's not a lot of positive things. A lot of shameful things that can happen in that circumstance, okay? And his, his, his first son walks in on, on it and sees it, and he calls a spade a spade. That's wrong. That's ridiculous. You know, you're, you're the leader and patriarch of this family. You shouldn't be acting like that. What's the matter with you? And he begins to criticize him. And he didn't tell a lie. It was wrong. Yeah. It was crazy. But because he dishonored his father, the Bible says God cursed him. Papa didn't say God cursed Noah. God cursed the boy that dishonored his father. The other two sons approached it different. They approached the door of the tent and they turned around. Each of them took a side of a blanket and they backed up and refused to look at their father in that state and they covered him even though he didn't deserve it. They covered him and showed honor. What do you think God did? God blessed them, promoted them, and raised them up because there's some blessings you can only get by honor. So what I'm telling you is this. You may have a horror story. You may, you may have had some bad things happen in your life. But God is a debtor to no man, and God watches over his word to perform it. And if you will honor your parents, you will release a blessing over your life that will maintain well-being regardless of what was done to you. Now, if your parents have passed on, this principle still works with a spiritual father, spiritual mother, spiritual leadership in your life. And you ought to seek out people actively. If your father and mother are not in the picture, you ought to seek out people actively that you can bestow honor on because it rounds out the blessing factor of your life. And it's a very, very important key. Look at your neighbor. Say, you okay? Point number two. Point number two. How you receive determines what you release. I'm going to say it again. How you receive someone determines what you release out of them back to yourself. Look at John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. I know this is a toe stepper. We're almost done. Look at what they said about Jesus. He, look at what it said about Jesus. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. Watch this. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Stop. Sweetie, if that happened to Jesus, that's going to happen to you. You are going to be in some environments where the people that should receive you don't. 
But I'm not worried about that today. I want you to turn the scalpel on yourself. Is it possible there are people that God has put in your space, in your family, in your life that you have not received properly? But as many as received him, watch this now, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become, the old King James says he gave the power to become children of God even to them that believe on his name. So in this case, the capacity of the people to receive him determined his capacity to adopt them and save them as his own. Okay. God's ability to save you, his power to save you, is contingent on your ability to receive him. <clears throat> Salvation is a free gift, but it must be received. And when you cannot receive something, you cannot have the benefits of said thing released back to you in your life. Even Jesus didn't have the power to give those people in his hometown the miracles that he was carrying. He couldn't release because they couldn't receive. How did they receive him? They received him as a carpenter. Okay. They received him as a carpenter. So the best I can do for you is build you a table. I can't make you stand up and walk from your lame situation. I can't open your blinded eyes or unstop your deaf ears. I can make you a shelf because my potential is limited to what you're willing to honor. And if you only honor, view, receive me as a carpenter, that's all you're going to get. Maybe the people in your life are underperforming your standard. Because you've lowered the level of honor and therefore expectation. Maybe the problems in your relationships can be traced back to your inability to honor what God gave you. They saw him as a carpenter not a gift from God. So they couldn't receive the gift from God because all they could see was the carpenter. All they could honor was the carpenter. Okay. Do you see your spouse as a gift from God? He ain't acting like a gift. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Have you put a limit on what somebody can be to you and for you? Do you see your parents? Do you see your spiritual leader? I mean, it sounds crass to say, and forgive me for the analogy, but we are talking about it. I mean, like it or not, I am a big box with wrapping paper and a bow on it this morning that God sent as a gift to your life. I'm a gift. I'm just a gift. But, but I can't be a gift where I'm not honored. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The people in your life cannot either. Okay. You cannot either. Okay. Honor is the key. Honor is the thing that brings out the very best of what 
God put in the person. Now, there are no perfect people. And the one you're with, that's no exception. There are no perfect people. But they might be perfect for you. We got to decide what we believe. If we believe, Psalm 37, 23, that the steps of a good person are ordered by God and he delights in the way. If we believe that God is the one ordering our steps, if we believe the Old Testament prophets that said God will give you people for your life, then at some level, to some degree, the people that are in your life are there because God sent them and gave them a gift to give to you. Sometimes their gift to you is showing you what not to do. You know, painful lessons are much more impactful than joyful ones. And, and before you curse your childhood and some of the things that happened, you probably wouldn't be what you are today like you are it without some of the things that you went through. So, so, so you have to take all of that into perspective. You have to realize and, and see the full picture of it. That, that God was gifting you with the people he placed in your life. Let's look at Saul and David. By the end, Saul was trying to kill David. When David had an opportunity to kill Saul, when he snuck up on him, he honored him. He ref in fact... He wanted to let Saul know, I'm not your enemy. I could kill you, but I don't want to kill you because I'm not your enemy. I love you. So he just cut a little piece of Saul's robe off. And the next morning, he, he climbed up on a higher mountain and showed Saul I could have killed you. But then I, he was just trying to make a point. I'm not against you. Okay? But after that, he got down on the floor and cried because he felt bad for even cutting Saul's robe. This is a man who had been throwing javelins at him trying to kill him in his sleep. Why? It's because David knew he would have never got a chance to kill Goliath if Saul hadn't given the permission. He would have never been able to sit in the corner at all of the parliament and the government meetings and learn about leading a nation if Saul hadn't have personally employed him. David knew he would have never been a member of the royal family if Saul hadn't have given him his daughter to marry. David realized that even in Saul's flawed case, that God used him as a gift to bless his life. And he honored him to the end. When a man came on the battlefield, a little coward, trying to get favor with David and told David that Saul was dead, that he said, I came up on Saul and he was mortally wounded. So I finished him off and I took the crown off his head. And David, I know you're the new king and I wanted to be the one to bring you the crown. David stood up and had the man chopped into pieces. He said, I'll dare you for touching God's anointed. I'll dare you for touching the man God used to bless my life. Maybe your problem with, with showing honor and sowing honor as a seed is you don't really believe the scripture that says we know that all things work together for the good for them who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I know this may force you to get off the therapy couch for a second. I know it may offend your delicate sensibilities. I know it may challenge your victim mentality, but there's never a case where showing honor will cause you to be in the negative. You always triumph. You always get a blessing from God. You always increase and you are always elevated when you maintain honor in your life, especially in those close familial relationships. All right. So are you honoring the people that God has sent you? Do you honor your spouse? Do you honor your parents? Do you honor your spiritual authority? 
then it's, it spreads out further. Do you honor your coworkers? Do you see your boss as a gift from God? David did. <clears throat> David did with a javelin flying at him. He was able to see past it and realize that's a gift from God. And I'll never be able to release all that potential that is there for me if I don't receive this person as a gift from God. Are you receiving the people in your house as a gift from God? Are you receiving your pastor as a gift from God? Are you receiving your elders that God has appointed and I have anointed and established here? Are you receiving them as a gift from God? Or are you still tussling, fighting, warring, kicking against something God gave to be a blessing to you? Do you know primarily the blessings that we get in this life come through people? What did Jesus teach? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, God will drop it out of the sky. What's it say? I'll cause men, people, to give into your life. Most of the time when God's really going to bless you, he does it through a person. But if you can't honor them, then you can't receive what God made for you that has your name on it. That's good preaching, pastor. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. All right. How do I begin the journey of honor? What does it look like to honor someone? Well, the journey of honor is a long one that will ultimately shape your heart. Uh, it's like if you have crooked teeth, you put braces on them to shape them. Honor will do the same thing to your heart. It'll straighten out crooked areas and crooked places in your heart. But the journey starts with intentionally modifying your attitude and communication. Honor is a lot like soap. It's something you put on. Okay. Or like cologne, perfume. Okay. I smell real good right now. I promise you. Nice cologne. And my wife gets crazy nice soap. Okay? Crazy nice soap. Don't hate on me because I have nice soap. Go get you some soap. Or, you know, keep using whatever you use. So, so anyway, so anyway, I smell fantastic. Yeah. Didn't smell like this when I woke up. In other words, this is not my natural smell. I put this on. Honor does not come naturally. Nor does it come spiritually. It's something you have to willfully decide to put on yourself. Okay? So, so it, it cancels this whole, I just got to be me. I just got to tell my truth. I just got to say what I feel. Well, 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 you're canceling that now. Because now you're saying, I can't put any guardrails on my communication. I can't put any restraint on my attitude. I have to just be in my natural feeling state all the time. And whatever they get on the outside is how I am on the inside. And I can't be bothered. What that means is you're going to stink as bad as somebody that won't bathe with soap, put any perfume on, won't put any deodorant on. Because some of our natural states and natural tendencies start to stink if they are not maintenance. And some of you are not being elevated, not being promoted. You don't have the relationship you want. Nothing's going well because you never decided to Bathe yourself in honor, and God will never do it for you. Prayer won't help it. The Holy Spirit ain't going to do it for you. This is something you have to intentionally decide. I'm going to restrain my tongue. Now, the reason behind it is I'm showing honor. 
But the application is, I'm going to stop just saying whatever I feel like saying. I'm going to stop just acting however I feel like acting. And I'm going to put some guardrails on my own personality. I'm going to put some limits on my own communication. And the reason I'm doing it is honor. Now, I know you don't like it. You better take this medicine. Because there's only so much shouting and laying hands on you and anointing you with oil and having you repeat prayers after me can do for you until you allow some restraint, some honor, some respect to come into your life. And that's the thing about it. You have to allow it. You have to decide it. You, the, these are things you have to put in place yourself. So there's some things I won't say to my spouse ever, no matter what she ever said or did. Some things I will not say because of honor. There, there, there's some things I will not display to our leaders, not because I'm being hypocritical, but for the sake of honor. There's, there's some things I won't tell you. None of you know how I vote. You know why? I'm trying to honor you. Because if you're a Democrat, I want to preach to you. If you're a Republican, I want to preach to you. If you're an independent, I want to preach to you. And I don't want to allow my personal opinions to rob me and you of the opportunity of receiving the word of God. So I make a decision out of honor that there's some issues I'm not going to speak to. I may feel very strongly about it, but I'm not going to speak to it because I want to honor you. Okay. So, so it's about putting restraint. It's about putting reins or what James calls a bridle on the tongue. Okay. And this, for some reason, this is easier to do with people we don't really love. You will hold your tongue at the office and come home and let it fly in your house. And, 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 and the question is, and this is our society today has the, the mentality and mindset of it, the prevailing culture. Has, has definitely crept into the church. It's been in the church for a long time. In the society and the church, we have an honor deficit. Remember I was telling you about currency, how it flows, and how it's a medium for exchange, and how it can either be high or low. We have a deficit of honor in how we deal with the presence of God, and how we deal with our leaders, not just the person that's preaching, but the other established leaders in the church. You know, when you take one of our leaders to task, you've taken the whole leadership structure to task. When an elder asks you to do something and you refuse to do it, it's the same as if the bishop asked you to do something and you refuse to do it. Dishonor of one in an organization is dishonor of all. We have an honor deficit. We have a hard time restraining our personalities, our beliefs, what we think is right, what we want. And a lot of times our need to be right is more powerful than the love we have for the people God gave us. But we will cry about why it's not working. And we will lay in an altar, praying for deliverance, wondering why none of our relationships work out. And we will blame the devil. When the devil's in your mouth, what you won't control, what you won't restrain, 
You just, just got to be you, right? Paul says, honor that it may be well with you. If it's not going well right now, I challenge you to apply honor to the situation. If it's not going well, I urge you, I give you this word from the scripture, put honor in the situation. Now, honoring someone does not mean you have to stick your head in the sand and never deal with confrontation or never deal with issues that need to be dealt with. Why are we so immature that we cannot have conflict resolution without losing our ever-loving minds? You know? And if, if all it takes to move you out of honor is a little bit of conflict, you're never going to get this. You're never going to develop this spiritual discipline. Okay. You can have a discussion. You can have a sit down. You can deal with conflict and maintain a bridle on your attitude and your communication. Okay. You, you have let your emotions run free and wild for so long okay, that it actually feels like oppression for you to restrain them. Okay. And, and what's, that's what's bad about it. What's good about it is you can instantly change the cycle. You can instantly release this blessing from God and you can instantly start bringing out the top potential and top abilities of those closest to you by making the decision, the decision to honor them. You know, going back to it's like perfume cologne. You know, I found something out about my cologne. I've worn that stuff for so long, my stuff started smelling like it, okay? My, my iPad cover smells like it. My notebooks smell like it. My car smells like it. My clothes, I don't ever spray it on my clothes, but the residue of the smell has gotten all over all of my stuff. And you start bathing yourself in honor. Slowly but surely, the residue of honor will begin to permeate all through your life. And let me tell you this. Honor will get you into some rooms that a degree won't get you into. Honor will get you a promotion that kissing up to the boss won't get you. Honor will get you things in your life that nothing else will. And if you will begin to live your life in honor, deal with people in honor, communicate in honor, make sure on social media you maintain honor. If you will continue to honor, all of a sudden, the more you bathe in that fragrance, the more everything in your life begins to smell, to have a, a fragrance of honor to it. Now your reputation starts going into rooms before you ever get there. Now doors start opening before you ever get there. Now people start respecting you that haven't even met you because the fragrance is just going and going and going and going and going and going. And it's, it's powerful. It's beautiful. And if you're missing it, you're missing some of the greatest blessings God has for your life. Now, I would love to bring you down here and slather you with oil and impart the gift of honor. But I can't. It's a gift you give others that you also give yourself. So I implore you, give the gift of honor. 
Watch it heal your marriage. Watch it heal your relationship with your children. Watch it heal the relationship with your parents. Watch it heal the relationships, other relationships in other areas of your life. Watch it elevate you and promote you. Watch it change your whole scene if you start operating in honor. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise in the house this morning. Lord, you see every person here, and you love them. You love them in their strengths. You love them in their weaknesses. You love their uprising and their downsetting. You love them when they're good. You love them when they're bad. Your grace reaches us, and your grace is enough. Lord, you see every circumstance. You see every detail. You see the people that are hurting. You see the people that it was so hard to digest this kind of content today. And Lord, I know you love them. And I know you sent me today to give this to them. And I pray that the seed of the word of God will go deep into their hearts, into their spirits. And I pray that it would bring forth the fruit of change. Let us be known as people of honor. Let our conversation have the fragrance of honor. Let our activities and the things that we do with our lives, let it be that of honor. Let how we steward your presence when you move among us, let it be in a way that honors you. Let our prayers, our praise, and our worship be done in a way that honors you. Let our interaction with the leaders that you have appointed over us to watch over our soul, let it be done with honor. Let us know how to receive a word. Let us know how to receive that which we disagree with. Let us know how to do what is asked of us in the right spirit, in the spirit of honor. I pray that the scourge of dishonor would be removed first from our church and then from our community and then from our city and then from our state. Lord, use us to set a model of what honor looks like in a dishonorable society, in a dishonorable world. Lord, I pray for every marriage, every family. I pray for every single person that has the faith to believe that you're operating in their lives, that you're ordering their steps, but is struggling in their relationship. Lord, give them the gift of this revelation. Give them the gift of this understanding. And now I pray your blessing upon every person in this room. May the Lord your God bless you. May the Lord your God keep you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he go before you and make every crooked place straight. May he begin to teach your heart his truth, his precepts, and may you walk in his ways and be strengthened in your life. May it be well with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Give the Lord one more clap of praise. Hallelujah.